Praise God in this house tonight. Nobody can compare to him. What a great comfort that is to know that he's the only one. That you, you don't have to worry about it. You, you just go to him. Ain't nobody else to worry about. I don't have to search the yellow pages for somebody better to fix my problem. I can just look in his pages and realize he can do it. I don't have to shop around for a better God. I don't have to shop around for a better healer or a better deliverer. Oh, no. He, he's it. The great I am. He's everything you need tonight. Praise God. Give the Lord another hand and shout this house tonight. My. Oh, I appreciate the presence of the Lord tonight and worshiping in his presence tonight. What a great God we serve. So excited just to live for Jesus. Are you still excited to live for him? Yeah, still excite you. Not, you ain't got tired of it, have you? Not going back, are you? Not turning around, are you? Praise God. Where would we go? He's got the words to eternal life. Where would we go? I'm sticking with the Lord tonight. Amen. Excited about our speaker tonight. Love this young man. He's uh, just does a tremendous job. Always encourages, always challenges, oftentimes his things, his points that he makes in his preaching challenges us to look, hey, what's it saying and what am I doing? And, and so I enjoy uh, this young man very much. I'm proud in the Holy Ghost for what God's done for him and who he is for our church. Brother Christopher Guy, come preach to us tonight. Give him a hand. Appreciate this young man very much. I'm sure you got some kind of opening line. Hello. Okay. (laughs) Give him a hand. I love you, church. Let's give that to the Lord. Oh, God, we're thankful for you. Thank you, Jesus, for you. Oh, I'm thankful for this opportunity. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me this. I can honestly say I, I wouldn't be here if it shared your testimony again this past Sunday and stuff. And I could just honestly say I, I would not be here, not just behind a pulpit, but even in church, just serving the Lord. I wouldn't be where I'm at if, if it wasn't for you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, church. I appreciate your support, all that you are. I love y'all. I thank God. Like I think that No matter what situations have come my way, no matter what the devil has thrown at me, I'm still here. We're still here. No matter what problems come our way, no matter, no matter, despite our best efforts to mess things up, talking about our flesh, despite our best efforts, he's still faithful. He's still so good to us. He's still long suffering. So good. So good. Can y'all, hear, can y'all hear me all right? Yeah. Good. Awesome. Well, um, I was, a pastor called me. I, was, uh, I asked uh, permission to uh, go on this trip last Wednesday. Uh, I asked pastor for permission. I was on my way out of town. The pastor asked if I could do this, and I said I would, I would love to. He hung up, and I was like, well, I can't preach on missing church. <laughs> <laughs> God's good. But I, I had this thought going through my mind for about a, a week or so, but I, I got a scripture or two with it, but I just couldn't go anywhere else with it. So, and, uh, there, but there was this other message that I've actually already preached to our youth almost a year ago, and even ever since then, I just haven't been able to uh, get away from it. And it was just stern uh, with me. And even things that pastors taught a couple of, a few months ago, and even with our theme this year about fulfill, like, I just feel like it would touch us. And so, uh, youth, I'm sorry, you've already heard most of this. I'm going to try my best to not just re-preach my message. So... 
in uh, Psalm 63. This is a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live, I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. Everyone say marrow and fatness. Mmm. Everyone say mmm. <laughs> and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. There have been a lot of uh, songs that have been written about this psalm. There have been a lot of messages, countless messages preached from this psalm about encouragement, about God's sustaining power, about God keeping us, about his loving kindness. But I want to preach to us on where these things take place. I want to preach to us where God's sustaining power, where his providence, where his loving kindness takes place. I want to preach to us on the wilderness of Judah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Thank you that we're able to be here, Jesus. Use us, God. Bless us, Lord, that we'll be anointed. We'll be a mighty anointed to destroy every yoke, destroy every distraction, Lord. Receive this word the way you have for us to receive it, God. We'll be changed, that we'll be edified, that we'll be better, Lord. Be consecrated to you, Lord. We love you. We give you praise. We give you thanks, God. We ask you, pray it all in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, it says this takes place in the wilderness. And whenever wilderness is talked about in the Bible, oh, sorry, be seated. My bad. Be seated. Thank you. We don't like wilderness. Whenever it's talked about in the Bible, it's always in a negative aspect, even talks about how he's, uh, David, David's the one who wrote this song, it talks about how thirsty he is, how hungry he is, we don't like wilderness, we always, and we also equate wilderness to trials and tribulations, we don't like these things, we don't like trials, tribulations, we, let's, we, we want to get out of them, we want to get through them, just get us out of the wilderness, but says there's wilderness he says he's in the wilderness of Judah there's wilderness in Judah and if y'all don't know Judah is a tribe a part of the land of Israel also known as the promised land there's wilderness in the promised land wilderness is a part of the promise we look at wilderness and promise and blessing is separate things, but they're not separate. Wilderness is part of the promise. Wilderness is in the promise. You might think in your problem, in your situation, that you're not in a place of blessing, but you are. You're right where you need to be in that problem, in that mess. You're right where the place where God can bless you, where God can touch you, where you can keep you. Just because you're in the problem doesn't mean you're out of the promise. You're right where God wants you to be. We become discouraged because... We're in, the, uh, we're in the, a valley, we're, we're in this problem, we're in this mess, we don't like it. In uh, Psalm 23, uh, 
uh, talks about, sorry, I get, get up my other scripture. I got have scriptures on my phone and scriptures on the, my Bible, got different ones. In uh, Psalm 23, uh, 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but the, the valley is a guarantee for a child of God. It's, it's a guarantee that we're going to go through it. We're going to face these things. But it's also a guarantee that he's going to be with us through it. It says, for I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Just as you know it's a guarantee you're going to go through it. You can count on him to keep you through it. You can count on him to let you through that valley, let you through that wilderness. We always want God, just get me out of this situation. God's saying, I'll get you through the situation. You walk through it. I'll be with you. Sometimes there are dark places, some wilderness, some mess we just don't want to go through. But there are things that we have access to in the middle of these things. In Psalm 24, I'm, I'm not going to go through any specific scriptures, but David, he was literally in a dark place. Saul was hunting him down, and he was hiding in a cave. And uh, sometimes we use that phrase, oh, there's light at the end of the tunnel, to say, like, oh, the, the, great, the better thing is coming. You just have to, you got to stay in this tunnel for a little bit, but better things are coming. But David didn't even have to leave that tunnel to get victory. He had access. He had victory over Saul in that cave. Now, he didn't go through with it because Saul was anointed, but we have enemies that don't have that convenience. You don't have to wait till you get out of your dark place, out of your mess. He can give you victory in that dark place, in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your trial. You don't have to wait. You have it right now. You think, you can think like, sometimes we think that we're trapped in a certain situation with the enemy. But in reality, the enemy's trapped in there with you and the Lord, one who delivers you, the one who saves, the one who triumphants. These, these things, they're not, they're not a place, these mess, these problems that we go through, they're not out of God's will. They're, they're part of God's will. They have purposes in our lives. Growth and maturity happen in the wilderness. They happen in tribulation, in trials. Uh, increase happens in the wilderness. Fulfillment happens in the wilderness. John, John the Baptist, he, he knows this more than uh, anything in uh, Matthew 3, verses 1 through 6. It says, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was in the wilderness preaching. Some people think, like, we have to wait till we get out of this situation, out of this problem before I'm ready. I'm not ready to preach yet. I'm not ready to talk to someone about God yet. I got the, I'm in the middle of this mess. He can use you in the middle of your mess. He can, wants to use you in your situation. People were going to John in the wilderness to be ministered to. There's things, there are some things that only come from the wilderness. Authority comes from the wilderness. It's, it's not recorded. There's not a single miracle of Jesus recorded unless you count the miracle of his birth that happened before he went through the wilderness for 40 days. It gives us authority. It gives us power. We don't like it, but it's, it's what we need. It's what God has for us. Like, um, do we have, uh, I know Pastor, I know Nathaniel. Do we have uh, any hunters, any more hunters? Awesome, awesome. Now, how often do y'all hunt in, let's say, uh, downtown Athens? Oh, hold up, hold up. Now, before I go any further, I'm talking about deer hunting and squirrel hunting. <laughs> I know there's some hunting probably going on in downtown Athens. I'm talking about animals. If, if, y'all, if y'all are doing any of that other hunting, forget the rest of the message. We just go ahead and have altar call. 
That's Thomas. Deer. You, you don't hunt for deer or squirrel in populated areas. One thing because it's dangerous and uh, it's highly unlikely that animals are going to show up there. They're in inconvenient places. Some things, some giftings and callings that happen in your life, they're, they're not going to happen in convenient places. You're going to have to go outside of yourself, outside of, the, outside of uh, where you're comfortable to get your giftings, to get authority, to get things. In uh, 1 Kings 21... Uh, verse 15. Oh, wait, no, sorry. I'm going to start uh, in verse uh, 1. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had, had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give, it, give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good unto thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And Ahab came into, the house, into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of thy fathers. And he laid him down in his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. Ahab was not upset because he didn't have a vineyard. He was upset because he didn't have a vineyard close by. There's, uh, we have access to promises, to authority, but they're not always close by. God's like, I have a vineyard for you, but... You're going to have to go some places. You're going to have to go through some things if you want these things, if you want to access these things. Oh, and we got to be careful if we, when we try to. Sometimes people get so desperate for giftings, for promises, that we try to make someone else's our own. We try to make someone else's vineyard, someone else's gifting, someone else's ministry our own. And it never pays out, never pays. Because it says in um, verse 15, it says, And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession. Oh, yes, sorry. In between this, uh, Ahab has Naboth killed and takes possession of his vineyard. And uh, I'll start in 16. And it came to pass when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab rose up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to possess it. We can't let... Some people, like, do... Are quicker in... Uh, like, we'll see it. Some people, when they preach, when they minister, how, how in the world does that happen? But it's not... <laughs> but just because that is doesn't mean we should get covetedness. That's their vineyard. That's their blessing. That's their gifting. God has a vineyard for you. Don't take theirs. He's got one. You take yours. Take the one he's got for you. We'll end up losing out more than we'll end up losing more than we have if we try to take someone else's. In uh, verse uh, uh, after the prophet Elijah, he's uh, talking to Ahab, saying, "Why'd you do this?" Why'd you kill it? Why'd you kill Naboth? And it says in uh, verse twenty-seven, it says, and it came to pass when Ahab heard these words that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and wept softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, "Seest how seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days." We do have, even if we try, sometimes do get covenants or try to make someone else's promise our own, we can have access to forgiveness, but it makes our promises suffer. Because it says, but in his Sunday, son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. We believe that children are a blessing from the Lord. 
because he tried to seek someone else's promise, someone else's blessing, his own blessing suffered. His own promise suffered and died because he tried to take someone else's. In uh, Joshua, and sometimes, uh, oh, sorry, Joshua, verse 6, chapter 6, sorry. Sometimes uh, we go through situations, and sometimes we can't find a purpose for it. We don't know, like, how can anything good come out of this? With uh, the uh, children of Israel had just taken over Jericho. And in, uh, in Joshua, uh, it says that they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. This great city, Jericho, they burned it all up. It's all just ruins now. And sometimes we look at our lives like, why am I going through this situation? Why? There's nothing good going to come out of this. Nothing good is going to come out of this situation. Sometimes it actually has a different purpose than blessing. Jericho, after it was... After all the buildings were torn down, after it was set fire, it was ugly to look at. It was Now, this was part in the promised land where people built their houses and all. But yet Jericho, it said, uh, he says in uh, verse uh, 26, it said, Joshua jured them, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that rises up and builded this city, Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof, and his firstborn and his youngest son shall, be, shall he set up in the gates of it. Uh, this one city in the promised land was just supposed to be, it was supposed to be ruins. It's supposed to be an eyesore. It's supposed to be ugly to look at. But yet, it had a different purpose. It was for God, it was for God's people to look at it and say, look what God did. Look how God made a way. Look how God delivered. Look how he made, look what victory he wrought. Sometimes we're like wondering, why am I going through this? I don't look like, it doesn't look like anything good's going to come out of this problem, out of this mess. But it's for other people to say, look what God did. Look how God made a way. Look how God delivered. Look what he can do. How great he is. So, and it's for a testimony. So, and uh, last year, not last year, two years ago, I was up at Urshan, and I heard uh, this minister named uh, Janae Bland. She, uh, she was, uh, I was in this class, and she was saying a lot of good points, and she said this thing um, that you, you hear whenever you talk, whenever people are testifying and stuff, you ever notice that you hear a lot of testimonies about God delivering from gangs, from drugs, from things, but you don't really hear that many testimonies about God delivering from addictions or mental instabilities or lusts, and it's because some people, now I'm not saying nobody at this church or anything, uh, nothing like that, but some people, they want to just share their testimony to show how cool they were. Sometimes we, uh, whether we share a testimony or not, depends on whether it was socially acceptable or not in the world. But your testimony is not how show, showing how big and bad you were, but how great and loving and caring God is. So don't be ashamed of what happened. Don't be ashamed of what you went through. Someone needs to hear it. It doesn't matter how maybe socially unacceptable it might be, how embarrassing it might be. Someone needs to hear it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We need to let him lead us through these problems, through these wilderness situations. We we have to be careful though. We have to let him lead us. We have to open be open to his promise because sometimes we can get so desperate that we try to make our own promise out of our mess, out of our situation. Sometimes we'll get so desperate, we'll say, this is how it's going to work out. This is how God's going to make a way. This is what I'm going to get out of this situation. 
we have to be careful. After Jericho was uh, destroyed, it's um, in First Kings sixteen thirty four says, uh, hope I'm pronouncing his name right, it says, Hiel the Bethelite built uh, Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof, and Abram, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof, and his youngest son, Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Joshua, the son of Nun. Hiel had all of the whole land of Israel to build a place, to build a dwelling place. He had the whole land of promise, but yet he tried to make this, he tried to make his, the ruins, he tried to make the wilderness something that was supposed to be a testimony into something, into a place of blessing when it wasn't meant to. And because he made his own promise out of something instead of God's promise, his own promises, his own children suffered. We have to be open to what he has. We have to submit our promises things we promise ourselves to him. Sometimes we can't, in uh, Ecclesiastes 6 and 9, it says, Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Be satisfied with what he has for you now. Because what will happen is when you get that, you're just going to change your expectation. You're just going to change your desire for something else. That's what happens when people who win the lottery, they're never satisfied. Because once they win, they still want something. They still want more. They, I even saw a study that was conducted. They measured brain waves of people who did something like something awesome happened in their lives, like winning the lottery. And they said that the dopamine levels and just the levels that cause excitement and pleasure in the brain, they spiked when the situation happened, but they didn't stay up there. They went down, they went down, and then stress from, what am I going to do with this money? Stress from, uh, these people keep harassing me, they won't leave me alone. You ended up being more stressed than people who don't live in the water, who just, who went without life-changing situations like that. We need to be satisfied with what he already has for us. So, because there are problems that come with every desire that you have. We all want to get married, but there are problems that come with marriage. <laughs> be satisfied with the spouse you have. We all want a career, but problems come with careers. We all want ministries, but problems come with ministries. Be satisfied with what he's given you. If he has something better for you, he'll lead you to it. He'll lead you. Be satisfied with what he's got for you. In Hebrews uh, 13 and 5, it says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's with us. He'll satisfy us through these things. It might not be exactly what we think we might want, but he knows what we need. He knows what will satisfy us. And um, so now, I don't know about y'all, but when, uh, whenever I think of wilderness, I most of the time think of, like, trees and jungle and stuff, but a wilderness is anything where there's not... Uh, where there's not people, where there's not society, where it's where it's ice, where there's isolation. Tundra is wilderness, desert is wilderness. Even the Chernobyl disaster turned that place, even though it was an urban area, turned it into wilderness, like with the lack of people. And sometimes it's not that we're going through problems or situations, but sometimes it's just that we're, we feel like we're going without, that we're going through a dry season, that we're just in, our, in a desert. Well, I looked up the geography of the land of Israel, and around 50% of the land of Israel is considered desert. 50% of the promised land, 50% of the land 
flowing with milk and honey is desert. But it's 100% promise. It's 100% what God has for us. It's a 100% God's sustaining power. It's 100% God's promise. So don't think going through dry seasons is out of his will either. It's right where he wants you to be. The wilderness and desert is a place of isolation. Wilderness is a place to be alone. And sometimes we look at, and sometimes we actually need to, in our walk with God, need to be more alone. And sometimes we uh, look at be alone as a negative light because we confuse it with lonely. But there's a difference. You can be alone. Pastor, he could be out alone hunting, and he's okay. But you can be surrounded by people that you don't have any connection with and be lonely and unsatisfied. Now, this isn't to say when I said that we should have more alone time, that we should be hermits and spend less time fellowshipping. No, but we do need more alone time with God. We need to have more time uh, in these wilderness situations to meditate on the Lord to meditate on what he has for us. And uh, <clears throat> when Elijah was out in the wilderness after, uh, after some disasters happened, Elijah heard a still, small voice. You're not going to hear that still, small voice in the busyness of life. It's where God has to take you out into that quiet place, into that place of isolation where you can hear and where you can commune with him. I believe even separate from your prayer time, because when we're praying, we're at war, we're seeking after God, we're crying out. But sometimes it's, but we're in a two-way relationship with God. We need him to speak to us also. And when we have these times of isolation, times where we're able to hear his voice, then we can recognize his voice. And then even when we're out in the busyness of life, we can still hear his voice because I remember that. I remember that voice. I remember that. It's now familiar in our lives because we spent time in meditation. We spent time in the wilderness with him. It's sometimes like when we go through these dry seasons, when we go through these tribulations, Uh, it's not that we don't know. We, it's not that we don't think that God's going to work it out. It's just we feel like we're we're missing out on things. We're missing out on life. And there's there's even a condition that I think millennials made it up or something. It's called a FOMO. It's called a, and it stands for fear of missing out. And uh, you can look it up in dictionaries and all. And it's a social anxiety. That comes from missing out on things due to uninvolvement. But let me tell you that in your desert, in your place, you're not missing out on God what has for you. You're right where you need to be. In uh, Psalm 63, well, back to my opening scripture. That God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. David's saying, I'm doing without. But he's saying, uh, even though I'm doing without these things, God, you're, you're still God. You're still my provider. You're still my sustainer. To see thy power and thy glory, so have I seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, better than my situations, better than what I'm going through. It says, my lips shall praise thee. Now, there might be wilderness in your situation. You might be going without some things, but that's no excuse for God to go without our praise. Uh, David, even David in this psalm, he's like, I'm going without things, God. But you're still great. You're still worthy. 
I might be going without some things, God, but you're not going to go without my praise. You're not going to go without my love. I'm going to praise you. Let's give him some praise right quick for a moment. God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, even though we're going without. Blessed be your name. You give and you take away, God. But blessed be your name. You are faithful. You're not going to go out without God. You're not going to go without my praise, God. You are faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Can't go. We can't go without it. And in uh, verse 5, it says, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. Everyone say marrow and fatness again. If I ever open up a restaurant, I'm going to call it the house of marrow and fatness. (laughs) I I wanted to uh, look up what those uh, words mean. I, I looked up what those words meant, and they mean... They do mean like fat, but in a sense of abundance. He's saying, even though I'm in this wilderness, I have abundance. I have what I need. But see, when when I look at marrow and fatness, I think of like bones, like bone marrow and fat, like the part, the part of the steak that you cut off, the part of that well done steak. You don't that's the worst part about cutting to a well-done steak. Where's Eddie at? Yeah. Um, and just eating a piece of fat, oh, that's, that's the worst. And sometimes, like, we feel like, like nothing appealing is going to come out of our situation. But it's like when I was, I was looking up these words, it's like God was saying, even with things that seem unappealing, I can satisfy you. I can provide for you. It might not look like anything good is going to come out of this or out of this thing that God is calling you to. It might not look like anything good is going to come out of it, but God said, I will satisfy you. I'll keep you. I'll bless you in it. And while uh, trials and tribulations are a part of the promise Disobedience is not a part of the promise. Disobedience can damage our promise. Disobedience can literally change the landscape of our promise. In Deuteronomy 12, no wait, sorry, 13, Moses is uh, charging the children of Israel, and uh, he tells them in uh, 13 and 12, it says, If thou... If thou shalt hear say in one of thy cities which the Lord thy God hath given thee to dwell there, saying, Certain men, the children of Baal, or Baal, are gone out from among you and have withdrawn the inhabitants of the city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which ye have not known. Then shalt thou inquire and make search and ask, ask diligently, and behold, if it be truth and the thing certain that such abomination is wrought among you, Thou shalt surely, surely smite the inhabitants of the city with the edge of the sword, destroying it utterly, and all that is therein, and the cattle thereof with the edge of the sword. And thou shalt gather all the spoil, all the blessings of it thereof, into the midst of the street thereof. And thou shalt burn with fire the city, and all the spoil thereof, every width for the Lord thy God. And it shall be a heap forever. It shall not be built again. They couldn't use that. Even though they killed the ones who were disobedient, the children of Israel couldn't use that land anymore. Even though the sin was gone, it still destroyed part of their promise. The disobedience messed up their promise. And sometimes, let me tell you that disobedience is is not allowed. It's not allowed. We might think we can just continue doing what we're doing, continue messing things up, but it's going to destroy your promise. It's going to destroy what God has for you. I'm telling myself, disobedience is going to destroy what God has for you. Get rid of it. 
Get rid of the disobedience. Flee from those things. Flee from those things. Let God forgive you. Let God work on you. And sometimes we feel that way. We feel like we've made such a mess. We feel like all our promise is just ruins. Or sometimes we feel like we're not even in the promised land. But there's still hope. Even if we feel like we are that far away. Even if we feel we are in that much of a mess. Not because of a trial or tribulation. But because of our own mistakes. Because of our own failures. There's still hope. And in a lost my place. Oh, in Second Chronicles. No, sorry, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to uh, Amos nine, verse eleven. And uh, God is prophesying, prophesying against the, uh, the, I mean, uh, with the children of Israel, and He's, this is, um, God is prophesying to him, and this, he's, what He's about to say is what's happening after the sin. After He says He's going to get rid of the violent people, He's going to cut off uh, the sinners. It says in verse eleven, in that day. Sorry, I had it wrong. Scripture on my mind. It says, In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof. And I will raise up his ruins. And I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord, that doeth this. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and the hills shall melt. And I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. And they shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of the land which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. He's saying that, he, that he's going to do some parts. When we get sin out of, our, out of our lives, we have to do some building on our part to stay away from these things. And it says that when we do this, that he'll build these things. Our promises can be restored. I was preaching the last time about being a house that's, that serves the Lord. Sometimes we feel like that we have built our house all wrong on sand and it's just sinking. But the house can be rebuilt. It can be rebuilt. We might have to change how we build some things, how we do some things, but it can be rebuilt. And uh, those cities that when uh, he said that the children of Israel had to be, had to abandon them, they had to be ruins, those, those were different from Jericho. Jericho was meant to be a testimony, but those cities were meant to be warnings. God help us to not be, to not let our lives be warnings of what not to do. Let us be testimonies. In uh, Ephesians three and twenty. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. If we seek him, he'll lead, he'll lead us to things even more than we could imagine. Even, uh, even if we have messed up, he'll lead us to so, much greater, so many greater things than we can comprehend. Even, even if we never messed up, it'd still be more that we could deserve more than we could imagine. We need to receive it. We need to be, we can't, sometimes we uh, hinder ourselves when we make our own promises. We'll see the, we'll have these desires, we'll have these things. Like, God, 
if I can't have this, if I can't have this situation, if it can't work out this way, what's the point? What's even the point, God? But we're limiting ourselves when we try to make our own. He's, but what's God, what God is saying to us is like, you have these desires, but they can't satisfy you. I know what will satisfy you. We're like, God, I want this so much. But God's like, that's not even good enough for you. I have what you need. I have what will satisfy you. I have what will bring you joy. Sometimes there's a scripture in Psalm 37, 4, and sometimes we feel, I didn't say that this scripture does, but we feel disappointed by the scripture sometimes. It says, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And sometimes we feel disappointed because we'll have this desire, we'll have this thing we want, and we're like, God, I'm serving you, I'm seeking you, but yet we don't, we don't have this. We don't have this thing. But what's the problem? Well, he does give thee the desires of your heart, but the scripture also says about the heart that it's deceitful above all things who can... Who can know it? <clears throat> Your heart doesn't know what you need. God knows what you need. Your heart doesn't know what will satisfy you. God knows what will satisfy you. God knows what will satisfy you more than you do. You think you know what you need. God knows what you need. We need to s- submit our promises, our desires to him. In First uh, Chronicles... 21, the, uh, David and the children of Israel, they had sinned because um, David had numbered Israel, and they were not supposed to, and the Lord punished Israel for three days with pestilence, and uh, it says in First Chronicles uh, 21, 18, uh, And the angel of the Lord is, uh, after God commands the angel to uh, stop destroying, the angel stays in this place, in this one place. It says in verse 18, Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad, the seer, the, the prophet, to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord, and Ornan turned back and saw the angel and his, and his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. And David came to Ornan. David, and Ornan looked and saw David and went out to, of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. And David said to Ornan, Grant me this place of thy threshing floor that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord, and thou shalt grant, grant it me full price that the plague may be stayed from this people. And Onan said unto David, Take it to thee. Let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes, and give the oxen also for burnt offerings, and threshing instruments for wood and wheat for meat offerings. I give it all. And David said to Onan, But I will verily buy thee for full price, for I will not take that which is thine for the for the Lord, nor offer that burnt, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. This man, he was willing to give up his inheritance, his promised land, to the Lord. Are we? Now, this is separate from when Ahab was wanting the vineyard, because Ahab that was just for Ahab's pleasure, but this was to the Lord, because it says in. Uh, uh, chapter 22, after David built an altar there, it says, and David said, this is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. When someone was willing to give up their promise, what they think they wanted, what, they, what we think we need, when they were willing to give it up for God, something more beautiful appeared in its place. When we submit our promises, the things that we desire to him, he'll build something so much more beautiful in our lives. 
sometimes <clears throat> are, are our promises, are our things submitted to him? Are the things that we want, that we think we want, are they submitted? Of course, we need to submit to his commandments, to his ways. But are our desires submitted to the Lord? There are uh, problems that happen when they're when they're not sometimes in second uh, kings 17 the children of israel have been driven out of the promised land through this disobedience it says in, uh, in 17 i'm going to start in verse 24 it says and the king of assyria brought men from babylon and from kutath from Ava and from Hamath and from Shepharim, I don't maybe, and placed them in the cities of Samaria in the promised land instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them and slew some of them. Wherefore, they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations without which thou hast removed and placed in the cities of Samaria, know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore he has sent lions among them, and behold, they slay them, because they know not the manner of the God of the land. And the king of Samaria, uh, and you read on, it talks about how the king got uh, a priest from the children of Israel and taught uh, those men to fear the Lord. And in verse 20, 22, I mean 32, it says, So they feared the Lord, and made unto themselves of the lowest of them priests in the high places, which sacrificed for them in the houses of the high places. See, these, these people, they were, they were in the promised land. They were in the place of blessing, but they didn't want to seek God first. They wanted what they wanted and what God wanted. And what happened in verse 33, it says, They feared the Lord and served their own gods after the manner of the nations whom they carried out from thence. Sometimes we'll have these things, we're th- these desires we want, but they're not promises. They're attachments. And they can become idolatry if we don't put God first. And sometimes we need to go through wilderness, through situations to see if the, our desires that we have are attachments to let go of or promises to hold on to. We need to make sure he's first in every desire that we have or it can become idolatry. And a, a parallel to this story in uh, Deuteronomy 3. And I am closing if uh, I want to come to the music. Uh, Moses had um, sinned a while ago in, against the Lord, and he, God told him he wasn't going to enter the promised land. And it says in uh, chapter 3, verse 23, it says, and, and I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand, For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that's beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain and Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, let it suffice thee. Speak no more unto me of this matter. Moses had this desire. He wanted to go to the promised land. But he, he was he couldn't couldn't. But it said he, God said to him, "Let it suffice thee." That word "suffice" means abundance. It's like and it's like God saying, "You're not able to go to this promised land," but said, "I'll give you abundance. I'll bless you right where you're at." And back then, now right now we have a. Border Patrol, if you want to leave the country, you have to get a passport and things. But it wasn't like that back then. There wasn't any fences. There wasn't 
any walls or anything. Uh, you just had to worry about war, but you could pretty much go where you wanted. So it's never record. It, Moses never wanted to. It's, he could, if he wanted to, he could have left the children of Israel where they were. They weren't in the promised land at the time. He could have built him a boat, crossed the Jordan, and be a nomad in the promised land. He could have got to the promised land if, if God would have allowed him to live. If God might have taken him out if he would have tried that. I don't know. But, but it's not recorded that Moses did that. But the thing is, Moses already had it made up in his mind where he needed to be. In Exodus 33 and uh, 13, uh, God's saying, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just going to send an angel to uh, lead y'all into the promised land. And it says, in, um, and this is Moses talking in verse 13. It says, now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee that I might find grace in thy sight. Consider this nation, that consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, and God said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he, Moses, said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Moses already knew it didn't matter what blessing, what thing looked good. He knew, he, he didn't, it mattered. He knew no matter what, how good the promised land looked, he knew where God was, was where the promise is. Moses knew it's not the promised land without the promise keeper. It's not <clears throat> where, whatever desire you have, it's not promise if the promise keeper's not in got to be where he is. In Psalm 16, 11, this is my closing scripture. It says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The most joy, the most pleasure, the most happiness you will ever have on this side of heaven isn't where when this situation is going to work out, isn't when this problem is going to go away, it's in his presence. It's where he is. The most, the happiest you will ever be this side of heaven is where he is. No matter what situations, no matter what, no matter even in the wilderness, even in the desert, if we're in his presence, we can be the happiest, we can be the most joyful we can be. As long as we're where he is, he'll satisfy us. He'll give us what we need. You can all stand. We need to make sure that our desires are the promises that we make ourselves. Are they submitted to him? We're going to have an altar call and we're going to pray for two things. One, that God will search our hearts search the desires that we have that he sees in our hearts and see if they line up to him see if they're attachments that we need to let go of or promises of his to hold on to and that if they are promises to hold on to that we'll trust him in our promises in our situations that he'll satisfy us that he'll supply for us, that he'll give us all that we need. Let's come and pray, church. He's got all we need. Are we going to trust him? Are we going to submit our desires to him? Are we going to trust him in our wilderness? Are we going to trust him? It's part of the promise. It's right where we need to be. Our wilderness, our problem is right where we need to be. It's right where he wants us to be. Just trust him. Ooh.